0: Welcome to Employee to Lawyer, the employment law podcast presented by NILA Illinois, the podcast that discusses the policies, regulations, and laws that affect our workplaces, presented primarily from the perspective of employee or plaintiff side lawyers. We are your hosts, Amit Bindra and Max Barrett. We are members of the board of directors of NILA Illinois, the Illinois chapter of the National Employment Lawyers Association, a nonprofit collection of attorneys who empower workplace rights. Welcome back.
1: This is Employee to Lawyer, and we're having back an old friend from our second episode, Karen Doran. Karen, how are you?
2: I'm great. Thanks. Thanks Thanks for coming back. My pleasure.
1: You want to remind everybody who hasn't heard your voice in a few months where you work and a little bit about who you are and where you come from, from professional?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I've been a plaintiff side employment lawyer since I graduated from Chicago's best law school, Chicago, Kent, and since 2004. And I've done both. I have worked both in a partnership and also as a solo practitioner, but I've also worked uh, for a not-for-profit, a place called um, LAF Legal Assistance Foundation, which is now referred to as Legal Aid Chicago or LAC. And so, you know, my practice is, as I said, plaintiff side employment law. I, I focus mainly on discrimination, retaliation claims, Title VII, ADA, also FMLA, stuff like that. But I also handle what are called VESA claims. And VESA is the Illinois Victims Economic Safety and Security Act. And my claim to fame with VESA is that I believe I am the first person to have won a VESA uh, lawsuit. So, and that was... That's
1: incredible. Good for you.
2: Well, you know, I I was one of the first, right, who, who, who filed that sort of a claim. So that's part of it. But yeah, so VESA is very near and dear to my heart.
1: Yeah. And you sort of teased this law at the end of your first interview. So you had everybody waiting on pins and needles for whenever this episode Mm -hmm. would drop. Um, Yeah. So I think you mentioned it a little bit on our last podcast. You mentioned a little bit of it. What's the purpose behind this law? Why do we need VESA? What, you know, what, what hole is it filling legally?
2: Yeah. So first I want to say that VESA is a, it's, it's, it's a law that very few uh, states have, right? And, and I, I believe Illinois is, is I'm pretty sure Illinois is the, the first state to have such a law. I think there have been maybe a handful of other uh, states that have passed similar legislation. But essentially what VESA does is it protects people who are victims of domestic violence and sexual violence, including stalking. From losing their jobs or otherwise losing, otherwise having problems with their with their employment, and so what what VESA does is, if a person is a victim of um, domestic violence, very often what will happen is that the the assailant sort of. The, the violence kind of seeps into all aspects of that person's life. And, they, and the assailant will know, for example, where the person uh, works and, and, and sometimes show up there, which makes everybody understandably very uncomfortable and worried about their own safety. Um, and what VESA does is, is it makes it illegal for an employer to fire someone because she is a, a victim of domestic violence, which is something that happens or happened <laughs> much more frequently in Illinois. still ha- It still happens. But yeah, I mean, think about that. Before VESA was enacted, an employer could fire someone because she's a victim of domestic violence and face no consequences to that.
0: Or, and, and it sounds like in a lot of states still, right? No.
2: yeah, yeah
0: and that's
1: horrible. I mean, think about like you've got somebody who's already the victim of a really horrific trauma. It's probably not a one-off. I mean, sometimes these things happen once, right? But probably more often than not, it's not a one-off occurrence. And it's at least my understanding that one of the reasons a lot of women in particular don't come forward and report these things is there's an economic security component that there's a fear of if you have to leave your spouse, you know, you're going to be without a second or, or the only breadwinner, for example. And now say you do have a job, not only might you be, have that fear, but there's this fear of getting fired on top of it because your stalker or your abuser showed up at work.
2: That's right. That's right. And, you know, the other aspect of that is, you know, what, one of the things that VESA does, and I would say this is sort of the, the primary thing that VESA does, is it's, it's, it's used as, as what we call a leave statute. So in the same way that the Family Medical Leave Act or the FMLA is what we call a leave statute, that is what VESA is at its core. So VESA, in fact, sort of borrows language from the FMLA. And in my experience, the, the, the judges will rely on FMLA case law to, to, to help interpret this, the VESA statute. And so what that does is, you know, when you're a victim of sexual assault or you're a victim of, of domestic violence or you're a victim of stalking, very often you need to, to, to meet with a variety of people lawyers, you need to go to court, you need to go to the doctor, you need to go to counseling, you need to find new housing, you need to, I mean, there, there's just sort of a, a myriad of, of things that pop up in your life that will complicate it. And so what, what VESA does is it says you're entitled to take time off in order to attend to these other necessary things. So that's, that's usually how VESA pops up. You know, folks have to go to testify at court. And so they, they have to have that day off. And, you know, sometimes they, they don't even get that much notice <laughs> before the, 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 the uh, state's attorney says, gee, you got to show up on Monday for, for, for this, this trial. So uh, it, it protects them and grants them that leave.
0: Does Vesta apply to employers of all sizes?
2: Now it does. It used to not. It's been amended. I I think VESA has been amended a few times since it was enacted back in, I think, 2003. But yeah, now it, it does. My understanding is that it does apply to all sizes of employers. Yeah. Now how much leave you get is is dependent upon the size of the employer. But
1: so it's not so one difference from the FMLA and for those for those who are not employment lawyers who we hope are listening to us, the Family and Medical Leave Act operates in some ways, as Karen is saying, like VESA in that it's a job protection statute. But under the FMLA, for example, Karen, you can get up to a set amount of time per year. And what you're saying is that's one distinction is it's sort of a sliding scale based on the size of the business. That's
2: right. That's okay. right. So, so the, the most you, you can get is, is 12 weeks like the FMLA, but it, it depends on the size of the employer. I think the least you can get, I, I probably should know this off the top of my head before That's I okay. talk about it in, in a podcast, but I believe the, the least you can get is six weeks. Um, okay. It depends on the size of the employer.
0: Are there any notice requirements that an employer has to give to an employee just so they know their VESA rights?
2: Gotcha. Yeah. They're, they're required just like with minimum wage and, and, and other statutes they're, they're required to post notices. And, and that is, that is something that I find still in 2021 is not happening. So, so people very often have no idea uh, that they have these rights.
1: What happens if an employer fails to post that notice? Does that do anything to anybody's rights or the statute, or it's just sort of something they're required to do that most don't?
2: Well, there. Is, so, the Illinois Department of Labor, or the IDOL, is the agency that administers. And 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 I think it's it's. We can talk about how to file a, a, yeah. a case, and where the venue is, and all that stuff in, in just a minute. But so so the IDOL would would be the the agency that that would sort of sanction an employer for not having notices, and they take it very seriously. But if you know, is is that is that going to mean, you know, huge fines? Is it going to mean um, that the employer is going to be put out of business or, you know, it, it, no, but, but, but it can be used and I have used it as, you know, evidence of, of sort of discriminatory motive, right? If, if an employer is not bothering to inform its employees about the rights under this statute, and then goes ahead and, and violates those rights then I, you know I've, I've been able to sort of use that as as evidence that they're they're a bad actor
0: well so let's say they are a bad actor what are some remedies an employee can recover or get from an, emplor- an employer
2: well so that's that's part of what i find problematic about vesa is that there are limited remedies so the remedies are essentially limited to you get back pay, you get compensatory damages. So that's, that's your emotional distress damages. And, and that's it. It, It's a fee shifting statute. So damages actually attorneys fees and costs are considered damages. So, so you, you do get attorneys fees and costs, which is a a great aspect of, of the law because it does encourage attorneys to take these cases. But you know, there are no punitive damages. And even though in, in my opinion, if if you read the the damages section of, of the statute, it, it should be much more inclusive. It's it's read by IDOL to be sort of exhaustive.
1: Do you so you mentioned the Department of Labor and filing filing um, filing these cases, a lot of the discrimination statutes that you've mentioned on, on your visits with us and that we kind of refer to, require you to go through the government before you can file a lawsuit. So you've got to go to the uh, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC and, and under federal law or, or the Department of Human Rights at state law. Is, is that sort of what we would call in our practice area administrative exhaustion? Is that something you have to deal with to bring a VESA claim?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you can't just file a complaint, a lawsuit, as it were. You first have to, as you said, exhaust your administrative remedies. And, and, and what you do is, it is kind of interesting because you, you, you actually do file, they call it a complaint. It's, you know, the EEOC IDHR calls it a charge, but IDOL will call it a complaint. So you do, you file a complaint with the IDOL, and the IDOL investigates it. In my experience, they do a pretty good job of investigating those those claims, and they do it pretty quickly. I'm under the impression that there's a sort of dedicated staff that handles VESA, and so I think in part that's that's why they get investigated well and, and quickly. But then once, once the investigation is completed and, and you have this marvelous opportunity to respond to the employer's or reply to the employer's response, once that's completed, then either party can request a hearing and then it goes to a hearing at the IDOL. So to be clear, there's no uh, right to sue in court I, uh, VESA, VESA gets litigated at the IDOL, but again, in my experience, it's, they do a pretty good job of it in terms of, of timeliness. I know that IDOL gets a lot of flack for how long it takes with, with other types of, of claims, in particular wage claims, but in my experience, VESA is treated very, very differently in that it's pretty fast. You have very limited discovery. there is an exchange of, of written discovery, but there's no deposition i you know you you have the right to 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 argue for it to ask for it in the same way that you do at the Illinois Human Rights Commission, but I've not been granted the right to to depose and in part, you know there's sort of pros and cons to that it It makes it quicker, and you know you don't have to worry about the dispositive motion filing prior to A a live evidentiary hearing, and those hearings last, you know, a day, maybe even two. And there's, you know, they're 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 regular trials. They're with the ALJ. There's a, a court reporter, and you've got rules of evidence and rules of civil procedure to follow. And in my experience, they've 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 been pretty pretty good. Now, normally, what happens is the the judge will want the parties to brief the closing and which is, which is fine. You know, you, you, you get your transcript and do that. And then, and then the waiting begins. Now there, there, that's, that's where the sort of timeliness sort of falls apart. But I, you know, I just chalk that up to the fact that, you know, they've gotten more than just Vesa cases, his ALJs on their plate to, to rule upon. And, you know, obviously ruling on briefs is, is more cumbersome than just on, uh, on testimony or, you know, on, on, trial. So anyway, it usually takes, I usually suggest that we need to be patient for at least eight months before we get oh, wow. it. Wow.
0: How long does an employee have to file a VESA claim?
2: So they had, there's a three-year statute of limitations uh, for, for VESA, which is, uh, incredible. You know, as you guys know, we're, we're, we're so uh, used to the short 300 days with Title Seven, and now with the, the state statute or, you know, shorter claims. Like if you file a, a, a complaint, a wage complaint with the idea, well, I want to say it's, you got to do it within six months or a year. I, I can't remember, but they're very short sessions of limitations. This three years is just like Wow. <laughs> it's really great. And it, you know, I and, and I think in part what's so wonderful about that for this particular statute is in my mind it it takes into account the fact of how chaotic one's life can be when one is a victim of sexual assault, domestic violence, stalking, and there are other things to attend to perhaps that, that take priority over filing employment related claims.
0: Well you told us earlier, um You filed maybe the first ever vessel lawsuit. How did you get involved in this type of work?
2: Yeah, I I, honestly I cannot remember how I found out about the statute, but I'll tell you this: when I went to law school, one of the reasons why I went to law school was because I had a, a, a passion for for laws that protected. Very very vulnerable women. So you know, women who are you know prostituted and laws concerning pornography and laws concerning you know violence in general against women, and and somehow I, I I learned about the VESA, which like I said I I believe was passed in one and was enacted in 03 and I graduated in 04. and I think the case that I had was filed in. Oh, six, and and we sort of stumbled uh, uh, across it. My my clients' facts were very very interesting. It really was sort of grown out of of a sexual harassment um, case against a coworker who she was um, involved with. sort of intimately involved with and and he was violent with her violent with her at the workplace they were they were involved in sales and it had to it was, it was sort of uh, at this work related event where he was terrifically violent with her and other there were signs of it on her face and and then she was terminated as was he on the basis that they had this sort of zero tolerance, anti-violence policy because she had she had she had protected her she had defended herself and and what's interesting is that Vesa has a specific provision in there that that does say that the employer cannot use self-defense as um, a basis for alleging that the, the the victim is somehow the perpetrator
1: I think so, that's an important provision right because otherwise I
2: think, yeah <laughs>
1: Uh, you mentioned now. You mentioned that this involved actual violence in the workplace. There are a couple of other laws that some of us in our bar use that sort of touch on some of these similar areas. So, mm-hmm. at the risk of putting me on the spot, there are two that I want to mention, and I'm curious how they would interact with with VESA. One is the Human Rights Act, because at least, and I don't, and I'll admit I don't remember when this got added, but I know order of protection status is one of the. Um, Protected classes under the Human Rights Act, so something that makes it different than federal laws. You know, if you've got an order of protection protecting you, not not necessarily. I think I think I had to look into this. Not if you're the perpetrator who who's got one, but if you're say a victim of domestic violence and you've got a, a restraining order is. You know, it's colloquially called against a spouse or somebody else, boyfriend, whatever. They can't fire you or discriminate against you for that. And then the Gender Violence Act, which explicitly protects people. I think it typically gets applied to women, but it it could theoretically be used otherwise, who've been victims of gender-motivated violence, whether it's, you know, physical abuse, like you're saying, and, and, you know, hitting somebody or or sexual violence. Um, Do you know, is there a way that these kind of interact? Does one preclude the use of the other? How do you... Do you consider these when you're taking on a claim that you might bring under VESA?
2: So, you know, I, I, I would do, my, my analysis would be the sort of same analysis that you would have for kind of any other thing. You know, the the limitation of VESA is that it can only be litigated at the IDOL. Well. So it's not as though you can add a count, a VESA count in your state lawsuit or your federal lawsuit. So and 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 you can you can litigate on two fronts. I mean can. I think my my concern would be the 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 limitation of damages at the IDOL. So you know and of course it would depend on, on on the facts if I felt very strongly that so like the the GVA the gender violence there's a split in our appellate courts as to whether or not employers the employing unit is a suable entity under under vesa rather than just the 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 assailant so that that would be a factor i mean for example you know oftentimes as plaintiffs lawyers we are thinking about Know, what sort of you know whether or not the defendant is is insolvable <laughs> insolvent rather <laughs> insolvent and so you know very often you're, you you don't go after the assailant knowing that he doesn't really have any 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 cash in his pocket so so Vesa may be a a better way of going at the idea well because it's against the 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 employer and we know that the employer is a is a defendant so you know I I guess my 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 response is is I think it's great that we've now got many more options for our clients and you know and don't forget just straight up sex discrimination. those there's there's an interplay with that. There's certainly an interplay with sexual harassment or you know sex discrimination or sex harassment too under the statute. So there's there's lots of ways of strategizing about what your theory of the case ought to be given the various laws that we have and 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 their and considering their limitations. Okay.
1: So are there now? You you come from the non not for profit legal world. The You know, the organizations working with people on a nonprofit basis to bring claims for folks. Are there any groups you recommend or places people can go for resources on domestic violence protection like this or just legal organizations that maybe I don't I'm not comfortable with a private attorney or some legal organizations that can help because you said like this law recognizes that maybe your job is not going to be the first priority, it's like get you out of the dangerous situation and then get you to a safe place and then get your kids or, or whatever else you've got going on. Who are some groups that you recommend or you've worked with on this or that you just think do good work in this space?
2: So there's an organization called Ascend Justice. And I've got a colleague over there who, who handles the domestic violence legal clinic or rather who, who, who was part of the domestic violence legal clinic and is now a justice. So, so they do domestic violence work and they're fantastic. Another is CASE, C-A-A-S-E. And I know I'm going to mess this up, but it's, it's Chicago Alliance Against Sexual Exploitation.
1: I think you got that right. <laughs> that was impressive, Karen. Yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> that's a it's a tough one to remember.
2: It is, and they're fantastic. Yeah, they are. Um, cases is and, you know, and then the other thing is, and I mentioned this months and months ago now, but I have an excellent memory, and that is that you know, domestic violence organizations know about this law more so than 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 even a lot of lawyers. So you know the. Those organizations are often, maybe not often, but but sometimes they're affiliated with not-for-profits, legal organizations. So, and, and then of course there's 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 LAC, Legal uh, Aid Chicago. So, you know, we've got some, we're really lucky in our state to have so many very qualified not for profits and dedicated folks. You know, even if you just, you know, you reach out to organizations like the Shriver Center, which is so great what a what a wonderful organization that is they you know they they have they have someone over there who uh, drafted vesa so you know there's just so many not for profit opportunities um, out there for folks yeah.
0: which is fortunate illinois even has a law i'm <laughs> just yeah yeah. Right? yeah yeah well we'll put all of these organizations in our show notes too just so people have access if they you know want to make a donation want to do something else with any of them want to participate Anything else that we missed today? Anything else you want to plug?
2: I don't don't think so. You guys are so thorough and so (laughs) well prepared.
0: Well, thanks again for coming on. Remind us again, how do we find you?
2: So I'm a solo practitioner and I practice out in the uh, western suburb of Wheaton. My telephone number is 630- 3849367. three, eight, four, nine, three, six, seven. And another way that folks can get in touch with me is just via email, which is Karen K A R E N at Karen Doran And that's D O R A N my last name.
1: And, and we'll put that in the show notes too. Um, and just to reiterate, Karen is on the board of Neela, Illinois with Amit and I. She works really, really hard. She has worked really hard over the last year with the legislative committee's COVID mm-hmm. subcommittee, helping people get better access to unemployment rights and just sort of making sure there's somebody that those nonprofit words, roots show through, Karen, because you're, despite being a solo and running your own practice, and as we've learned, having an 18-year-old that you help navigate the world for, you also are continuing to my goodness, all this nonprofit work, you know, or this this sort of free work you're doing to help push and make sure people have access to justice in Illinois. So you're a credit to our bar, and we're really lucky to have you have you on today and just working with us. So thank you so much.
2: Thanks, you guys.
1: Thanks to everybody for listening. We hope there are people out there listening. This has been Employee to Lawyer, the Employment Law Podcast. And as we now know from having Karen on a couple times, that runs the scope from unemployment to getting fired for or not you know for being a victim of abuse so there's a lot to cover here so if you if you want more information about neela illinois please visit our website www.neela illinoisorg karen thank you so much for making time for us again on a saturday morning to talk in your precious spare time we are eternally grateful and lucky to have you so thank yep. you
0: thank you so Thanks. much our podcast is intended to provide general reviews of employment laws. The statements and opinions provided in this podcast are just that, the host's opinion. We are not your attorney. This podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship, and it's not intended to provide specific legal advice. For legal questions, please consult with an attorney.